0: Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting to see what Jesus did in the nation of Myanmar? And I'm so delighted to be here with you. Uh, This is my son, Caleb. Everyone say hi to Caleb. Caleb. He is six years old. And this is Katie Grace. Everyone say hi, Katie Grace." Grace. And Katie Grace is four years old. And so today we're celebrating father's day and so it's good to be a father and this is my beautiful wife jessica and so we're super delighted to be here all the children you can be dismissed you can go to your classes now and uh... but before you go make sure you give your dad a great big kiss and tell him happy father's day and congratulate him all right you can go to class now okay? Yeah, go to your class he says he wants to hang out with me all right <laughs> Go with mommy, okay? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is the, the third time that Jessica and I have now been here to this church. And so the first time you come, you're a guest. The second time, you're a friend. But the third time, you're family. And so, we very much feel like we're a part of this congregation, and and we, we've been praying for you, uh, especially uh, for Pastor David and Pastor Winona, We we've been praying for you so much over the course of the last year, and uh, we're just so excited about what God is doing in you and through you, and uh, I'm just uh, super privileged and and excited to be here today. And uh, like everyone else, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And I want to talk this morning a little bit about what it means to be a father. And in order to be the very best fathers that we can be, I think it's important to look at our Heavenly Father and how he treats us. You know, in Old Testament times, People did not really see God as a father. The view in Old Testament times was more of God being a judge. He had given Moses the Ten Commandments. And for generations, the Israelites tried desperately hard to follow the law. But the problem with following the law is that they were not able to completely keep the law. And so every time they messed up or they blew it, they felt like God was angry at them and that God was mad at them and that God was like a judge sitting on a throne up in heaven, ready to throw a lightning bolt at them, ready to judge them. And and so that's the view that people had of God. But when Jesus came to earth, he knew God, not as a judge, but he knew God as a father because he was the son of God. And for all of eternity past, he had related to God in a father-son relationship. And so Jesus began to reveal a new aspect of God's character to the Jews. You know that God is a little bit like this, this Kleenex that I have here in my pocket, the Israelites, they saw one part of God in the Old Testament. But then, through the teachings of Jesus, they began to see G, uh, God in a brand new way. God began to unfold in a new way to them, and they began to see God not as just a judge, but they saw a new aspect of him as a father. And of course, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our father, which art in heaven. And to them, that was an amazing revelation that God is like a father. I never really thought of God like a father before. And one story that Jesus told really encapsulates God as a father in a wonderful way. And that is the story of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. And let's start in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them now for the younger son to ask this was a huge insult because normally someone would receive the estate of their father upon the father's death and so by going and asking for the estate the younger son was basically saying dad I wish you were already dead and so this is a, a horrible thing to say to his dad. But the father was loving, and he divided his property between them. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now you know what wild living is. He was partying he was doing drugs. He was drinking alcohol. He was uh, going to prostitutes. He was partying everybody. I mean, he was sinning big time. He went, just spent all his money on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, we got some water there. Wonderful. He, he was just spending all of his money that his father had given him. And and doing it in the most wild, outlandish ways he possibly could. He was buying fancy clothes, new shoes. He, he was just wasting the money, just buying uh, uh, drinks for everybody at the party. I mean, he, he, he just throwing his money away. But after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He went to all his friends that he'd been partying with and says, hey, can can you give me a loan? Can you help me out a little bit? And he discovered that all the people he thought were his friends were really not his friends. And no one was willing to help him out. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so for the Jews who were commanded by God not to eat pig meat, not to touch pigs, not to go anywhere near pigs, this would have been the worst possible fate that this son could have endured. He's out there. Taking care of pigs, and he's so hungry that he's willing to eat the food that the pigs are eating. And so he has gone from being rich, from having all this money from his dad, from growing up in his father's household being well taken care of, to now he's blowing it and he is homeless. He's got nothing. But then it says he came to his senses. Sometimes you gotta eat with the pigs in order to come to your senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. And so he remembers the abundance of his father's house. He remembers the blessings of his father's house. And he says, even the servants, the hired men in my father's house are eating better than me here stuck with the pigs. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask him to just to make me one of his servants. Notice his change in attitude. He starts out by saying, dad, Give me your money. And now he's had a shift in attitude. He says, I just hope that my father will make me like one of his hired servants. And so he went from a give me attitude to a make me attitude. And I think we should go to God and say, God, I want you to make me into the man that I'm called to be. I want you to make me into the person of character that you want me to become. Everyone say, God, make me. You know, a lot of people have their hands out to God and say, God, give me, give me blessing. But I think maybe we can change our prayers from give me to make me. And so while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that it says that the father saw him while he was still a long way off. Which means that the father was out looking all day, every day. The father is going out in front of his house every day. And he's looking for his son. Where is my son? I'm sorry. I'm trying to get past this. (laughs) Mm. He's out there. He's out there. He's in front of the house. And he's looking every day. Where is my son? My son has been lost. My son is gone. He was longing for relationship with his son where is my son and so he's out there and he's he's staring down the road that way he's staring down the road that day and then one day he sees way off in the distance a figure and there's dust it's a little hard to see but the father squints a little bit he says that figure looks a little familiar and it the the comes closer and closer he says He's dressed in rags. He's got a long beard. He looks different than when he left. I think that's my son. Is that my son? I I think it might be my son. It it is my son. It's my son. And the father runs to him as fast as he can. And and when the, the son sees the father coming, he just falls to his knees and says, Father, forgive me. I've sinned. Please forgive me. But before he could even get the words out of his mouth, the father lifts him to his feet. He takes his coat off of his back, his beautiful embroidered coat, and he puts it on his son. His son is standing there covered in in pig feces, covered in dirt and dust from all of this, this walking. And yet the father takes his brand new jacket and puts it on his back. And that's what God does. Yeah. Here we are. We come to God dressed in, in, in filthy rags. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. No matter how hard we try to be perfect, no matter how hard we try to do what's right, the very best that we have is not good enough to wear into heaven. And we're dressed in these filthy ugly rags. But Jesus comes and he lifts us to our feet. And he takes away the filthy rags that we bring. And he dresses us in beautiful robes of righteousness. And he puts the robes of righteousness on us and says, come, you are worthy. Come, you can come into the kingdom. Come, you're dressed appropriately. Yesterday, You guys went to a wedding and when you go to a wedding, you always have to be dressed nice. You have to wear your very best clothing and the people in the wedding party, they always dress with tuxedos and and the women always wear their very best dresses. And when we go to heaven, we have to be dressed in our very best, but not our best, it's his best, the robes of righteousness that Jesus gives us. And then the father, he takes off his shoes and he puts his shoes on his son's feet and says, here, son, put these shoes on. I'm sure they were super expensive shoes. You know, they were so, the the leather was so fresh, the alligator was still snapping. I mean, they were... (laughs) He gave the very best shoes. He says, here, son, put these shoes on your feet. And he puts them on the dusty, the dirty feet. And that's what God does for us. He takes our, our feet and he washes them. Remember how Jesus was, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the last supper, he, he bends down and he washes the feet of the disciples. And that's what God does for us. He gives us feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. And then the father took the ring off of his finger, and he put his ring on his son's finger. Now back in those days, your ring was like a signet ring. And so when you signed a contract, you would take your ring, (coughs) and you would dip it in some wax and put it at the bottom of the contract in order to sign it. And so if you wanted to buy a piece of property, you would take your signet ring and you would dip it in wax. I actually went to Israel a couple of years ago and visited the National Museum, and I saw a bunch of these signet rings that they've dug up out of the ground in Israel. They're made out of uh, bronze or, or, or metal, different types of metal, and each one has a different design. And when those, that ring would be dipped in wax and put at the bottom of a contract, or, or put in, in the clay at the bottom of a, a contract, it would signify that that person really had made that contract. And so by giving the ring to his son, he was saying, Son, all of my authority is yours. Everything I have. Is yours. He had already given his son half of everything he had. And now the son is coming back. And the son is expecting to just be a servant, to just serve and maybe uh, have a place to stay uh, way out in the field somewhere. But the, the father, he says, son, everything I have belongs to you. All of my authority, everything that I own here, it belongs to you. Amen. And that's what God does. He takes his authority and he gives it to us. He says, everything that I have belongs to you. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, he gives that authority to his disciples. Jesus says, I heal the sick. Now I give you authority to heal the sick. Jesus says, I cast out demons. Now I give you the authority to cast out demons. He says, I walk in all the abundance of heaven. He says, now I give you authority to walk in the abundance of heaven. And so that's what God does for us. And then he calls to the servants and says, go and get the fatted calf. The calf that we've been feeding, the best grain, preparing it for a special day. He says, kill the fatted calf. We are going to have a party. We are going to celebrate. Because my son who was lost has now come home. And you saw in the video, the pastors that we fed in Myanmar, in the nation of, of Burma, those pastors, they ate two whole cows. We brought a cow one day and, and uh, I laid hands on the cow and says, thank you for giving your life for the gospel. And then we killed the cow <laughs> and we ate them. And then the next day, the pastors, we ate another cow and we had a party with the pastors in Myanmar. And so you can imagine Back in those days, you know, bring the fatted calf, this, this, this calf that's been prepared, and, and slaughter the calf, and, and everybody, get the fires ready. Come on, let's have a celebration. Let's have a party. Amen. And that's how God is. When one sinner comes into heaven, it says that all of the angels of heaven begin to celebrate. Amen. Why? Because someone who has lost was lost is now found someone who is living away from god is now coming home and i think that that's how god is when one person comes to heaven he celebrates and says we are so excited that the one who was lost has now been found and so look at some characteristics of the father in this story. This father is loving. This father is compassionate. This father is giving. This father is forgiving. Uh, This father in, in the story is a generous father. And so I'm not perfect. I don't fully live up to all the characteristics of the father in this story which Jesus told. (coughs) But this is an ideal that I want to live up to. As a father, I want to be loving to my children. How many of you want to be loving fathers? As a father, I want to be full of compassion. When my little girl uh, scrapes her knee, and comes to me, I don't want to be so busy, like, it's okay, go away, don't bother me right now. No, I want to get down on my knees and say, oh, what happened? Let me give it, let me give your knee a kiss. You know, when, when my son comes to me and, and, and wants attention, I don't want to say, no, I'm preaching right now, you need to go to children's church. No. But say, Caleb, I love you give me a kiss I want to be the loving the kind the compassionate father a giving father you know when my daughter when we go to the store and there's something that she wants a a beautiful dress I want to be the father that says yes honey we can buy that dress for you You would look really good in that dress. I want to be a a giving father. How many of you want to be kind and loving like the father in this story? How many of you want to be compassionate like the father in this story? A giving father like the father in this story? Man, that's something that we can all aim for. Because you know, a father has such tremendous impact on a child's life. The words of the father bring great blessing. Also, they can bring great cursing. And so as fathers, we need to be very careful what we say and how we say it because our kids are listening. And one sentence can either lift a child up or put a child down for the rest of his or her life. And and so uh, my wife, Jessica, she comes from a very traditional Chinese family. She grew up in a small Town up in uh, Alberta called Morinville, right near Edmonton. 4,000 people, so just a small town. And she was the only Chinese family in the whole city. And so uh, her father, very traditional Chinese, Jessica says that she never remembers that when she was a little girl, that her father ever said, Jessica, I love you. And uh, now her father has. Um, mellowed out a little bit, and he says, I love you on a regular basis. But she remembers when she was just a little girl, she said, I wish that my father would say, I love you, or your mother. And they, they never said that. But, so, so she didn't have a full understanding of what a godly father would be like. But once she started looking to her heavenly father and trusting in her Heavenly Father, her Heavenly Father says, I love you. Her Heavenly Father says, I'm proud of you. Her Heavenly Father says, you're the best. You are significant. You are of great worth. And, and so that's what we need to say to our kids is, you're significant. You're the best. I mean, like, like this father, he's out there. He's looking and saying, where's my son? I'm looking for my son. And, and, and there's my son. Come here a hug and says i'm so glad to see you i'm so happy that you're here he gives us something to aim towards <coughs> let's keep reading meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on "'Your brother has come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fatted calf "'because he has him back safe and sound.' "'The older brother became angry and refused to go in. "'So his father went out and pleaded with him. "'But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders. "'Yet you could never give me even a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends.' But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older brother. He had been living with his father all these years. He had all of his father's possessions. He actually could have had a party anytime he wanted. But he did not have a revelation of his father's compassionate heart. And so he goes and he has this, I wish I had a goat mentality. Man, I wish I had a goat. Here I am. I've been faithfully serving you. I've been obeying you. I've been doing everything you ask me. Man, I wish I just had a goat, Dad. Dad, you never even gave me a goat. And here my brother came and he gets the fatted calf, Dad. And here I am. I got nothing. And look how the father responds to him. The father's not angry with the older brother. He just says, son, rejoice with me. For your brother who was lost has now been found. And so the father responds in love even to this bad attitude that the older brother had. One time a Sunday school class was learning about this story and the teacher asked and said, who in this story was angry? And one little boy, he lifted his hand and said, who who in this story was unhappy? And the little boy, he lifted his hand and he says, "Uh, the fatted calf. (laughs) Yeah, the fatted calf was not happy, but it was the older brother. And so in this story, this older brother represents some people in the church that are very religious. They've been faithful to do everything that they feel that God wants them to do. But then when they see someone get saved and come into the church and God start to bless their lives, they start to get upset with God. Say, God, that person, they've been a sinner. They really should prove themselves for a little while before you start to bless them. Can you imagine what the older brother would have done if he had been the first one to run into the younger brother? He probably would have said, okay, let's get you a bath. Let's get you all cleaned up. Uh, You go live down in the servants' quarters, and maybe in six months you can come up to the house and we'll let dad see you. But you prove yourself for a little while. You work out in the field. You prove yourself. And that's that's what the older brother would have done. And he was flabbergasted that the, the, the father would respond with such grace and understanding towards the younger brother. And so in the church, really, all of us are like the younger brother. You know, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things that are wrong. All of us have broken God's commands. And all of us are here by the grace of God. That God has forgiven us. That he has given us his righteousness. That he has blessed us. It is by the grace of God that we are forgiven. And we need to always remember that. But sometimes there's people in the church and they kind of get upset. And and they become what I call like finger wagging religion. And and they begin to wag their fingers at people and say, you know, uh, God's going to judge you. And they're living in the new covenant, but they've still got the mentality of God being a judge from the old covenant. And so this younger, this this older brother, he's an example of someone who he's living in his father's household. He's enjoying all the blessing of his father, but he is still thinking in judgmental ways. He's still angry when the younger brother comes home. And so we have a choice. What type of mentality we want to have towards people that need Jesus. We can either be like the father and welcome them with open arms and say, wow, we are so excited that you have come to church today. We're so excited that you're here to fellowship with us. Or we can be like the older brother and start to complain and say, man, how dare that person get blessed? I wish I had a goat. I wish God just give me a goat. So who do you want to be like in your attitude? Do you want to be like the father or like the older older brother? I want to be like the father. I want to welcome people. I want to look at people and and welcome them with open arms and say, God is calling for you. God is ready for you. Now, in the church today, we have people of, of both of these types. We saw it just this last week. You know, we saw on television the the horrible attack on the nightclub down in Orlando. And I saw a, 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 a little video of one Baptist pastor in Sacramento, California. And he stood up and he said that that was God's judgment upon those people in the nightclub. That is the attitude of the older brother. But... I also saw a news report that Chick-fil-A, which is a Christian company, and usually they're never open on Sundays. But this last weekend, they opened up one of their restaurants and they gave food, free food, to everyone who was donating blood to help the people that were injured. And so that is the attitude of the Father. And I think that is the attitude that God is looking for in the church. Yes, there's people that are sinners. Yes, there's people that are partying and living away from God. They're not in God's perfect will for their lives. But how should we respond to them? In a judgmental way or in the way that the Father responds by opening up His arms and saying, Come. God loves you. You're welcome. You're welcome to come to God. You're welcome. Here, let me give you a robe of righteousness. Let me give you some new shoes. Let me give you my authority. Let me give you a party. And so when one sinner repents, all of heaven throws a party. And so that's my mission in life. I want parties in heaven all the time. (coughs) My job as an evangelist is to be a party planner and say, God, get ready. There's another party coming. Someone is coming to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be like the father in this story. How many of you want to be like the father in this story? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here and you've been living away from God. You're like this younger son who went and lived a sinful life. Maybe you've been doing things you know you shouldn't do. Maybe you've been living far away from God. Well, today I want to invite you. To come home to the father's house. The father is waiting for you. He's waiting to give you a hug and a kiss. He is the father of hugs and kisses. And he's waiting for you. If you say, I've been living away from God, but I want to come back to God this morning. I want to come home to my father's house. I invite you right now to just lift your hand in the air. If you are ready to come home to the Father's house, just lift your hand high. Yes, sir, thank you. Here in the back, thank you. Who else? You're ready to come home to the Father's house. Just lift your hand in the air. Right now is your opportunity to call out to God and say, God, I'm ready to come welcome me with open arms. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say this. Say, dear God in heaven, I'm ready to come to my father's house. I have sinned and now I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. And Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Come live with me. I want to live with you in the Father's house. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. And now another group I want to pray for. Maybe there's some people here and you've maybe had a little bit of the attitude of the older brother being judgmental towards people instead of welcoming people with opening arms into the father's house. And and I think it's appropriate for, for us to repent of having that attitude like the older brother had of finger-wagging religion. And so if you'd say, I don't want to be like the older brother. I want to be like the father. Just lift your hand in the air. You say, I want to be like the father. Yeah, just lift your hand in the air. I want to be welcoming. I want to... Represent the forgiveness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God for people. Yeah. Let me just pray for us right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that every single one of us would be like the Father in this story, full of love and compassion for sinners who are lost. Lord, help us to never be judgmental, to never point a finger of religion at people and shake it in their face, but help us, Father, to look at people as you look at them, full of love, full of compassion, full of forgiveness. Help us to be like the Father and to welcome people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. Now, if you made a decision today to come home to the Father's house after the service is over, I'd like you to come up and talk to Pastor David. And tell them about your decision because I believe that God will give you a brand new start and you can have a wonderful relationship with God the Father. Amen? Jessica and I are so happy to be here. We are very honored to be your missionaries. Every time that we come, this church is always so tremendously generous and Giving us an offering to help us to go to different nations around the world. And so far, I've been to 68 nations. And this year, we went over the 2 million mark of people who have been saved in our services. Isn't that exciting? And so the next country that we're going to is uh, Malawi. We're doing a crusade in Malawi. I'm also going to be preaching in the next couple of months in South Africa, in Kenya, in Malawi. And then we're doing a nationwide event in Madagascar. We're going to have 4,000 pastors and church leaders from across the entire island of Madagascar. Maybe some of you know where Madagascar is. You've seen the documentary with the little talking animals. It's not just a place full of animals that sing and dance. It's a place full of people that need Jesus. So we're going to have 4,000 pastors and church leaders come together, and then we're going to have a big crusade right in the center of the capital city next to the National Football Stadium. And so if you would keep us in your prayers, I'd really appreciate it because we need your prayers, And, and thank you so much for helping us to go to these different nations around the world and to preach the gospel. I have a a table here in the back with some tremendous resources. Uh, My latest book, which is brand new, is this book. It's called Grace Wins, the ultimate fight between religion and relationship. And in this book, I speak more about what the grace of God is towards people who need Jesus. And so, if you want to learn how to be more like God the Father, this is a tremendous book that would help you in that area. I've also got some books on the, prayer, the power of prayer, the power of fasting, uh, how to discover God's will for your life, uh, the secret of Obed-Edom. Hardly anyone's ever heard this story. It's an obscure Bible story, but this story will change your story. It's a powerful story. And so, check out everything at the book table. And uh, as my gift to you, if you'll come to the book table and give me your email address, I will email you three of my ebooks absolutely free, just as my gift to you. And you can read those ebooks on your, your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your computer, whatever. Just give us your email address, and I'll email you three books, the, man, the, the, the ebooks absolutely free. Just as as a gift to you, so come to the table, and see us, and uh, Pastor David, we love you so much. You guys are such a blessing. You have such a wonderful pastor here in this church. Let's give him a great big hand. Just stay here for a second.